This is the Fantasy Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Welcome to the Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali and Matt Marchese alongside you once more as we get set for the 2022 NFL season. Again, the preseason, it's over. All of the crazy offseason stuff, it's over. Matt, I actually can't believe, I said this in the previous pod episode we did, but I actually can't believe all of the stuff that happened in one offseason. Like, I know it's always kind of like prisoner of the moment to say, oh, this was the craziest offseason ever, but... Uh, this honestly might have been even starting with Tom Brady retiring and then unretiring guys getting traded judges being involved in, 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 in settlements handed down and all sorts of crazy stuff. Like it, it was, it was a very turbulent NFL offseason. I feel like more than usual. We've never seen so much star power switch teams because a lot of it wasn't even free agency. It was trades that yeah. came out of nowhere. You look at the AJ Brown trade, you look at, of course, the Devonte Adams trade. Then you have the, um, um, oh my God, I'm, I'm blanking. Oh, the Tyree kill trade. And then, you know, there it was just the Russell Wilson. Brown trade, yeah. Russell Wilson. And you just keep going down the list and you're like, Holy smokes. That was the craziest thing that we've ever seen. And I don't, I don't think that that's hyperbolic at all. I think it was the most interesting off season that we've ever seen in the NFL. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And of course, a lot of it affecting fantasy news and fantasy destinations. And we talked about it in the previous episode about, let's say the Raiders, you mentioned Devontae Adams, the Devontae Adams news might be, have been the craziest one. And there was also, we, I almost feel like you forget uh, this almost happened, but Aaron Rodgers wanted out of green Bay at one point, And then that stopped. And then as soon as that stopped, Devontae Adams got sent over to the Vegas, uh, Las Vegas uh, Raiders, right. It was Derek Carr, his former, I guess it was college uh, teammate, but uh, I, I I don't know. It's a, it was a very, very crazy off season. And I'm excited to talk about it with you here as we get set on the fantasy show again, pod only version of the show, but don't forget we are live from eight to 10 AM Eastern across the network every Sunday morning, starting on some Sunday, September 11th. We'll be chatting waiver pickups, start set recommendations, injury news. We'll do every game on a weekly basis. And again, of course, as always, one of my favorite things of the show, Matt uh, texts, and tweets on Twitter, of course, and texts at 590-590 so we can help everyone to what will be a fantasy championship in uh, January of 2023. So a lot of exciting stuff straight ahead. But, of course, as we want to wrap up our season previews, we did the season previews of quarterbacks and tight ends in the previous episode. So our last season preview episode before the season really gets underway, wide receivers and running backs. And don't forget, uh, these rankings are for half PPR leagues. So right that kind of that sweet spot. I, do, I, I agree with you with what you said in the previous episode, Matt, in the sense that full PPR has kind of become one of the more popular things. But I feel like for people who are not necessarily used to it, half PPR seems to be a pretty good compromise. So we'll do our rankings for half PPR. So why don't we get started with a uh, wide receiver? Why, why don't you give me your top five wide receivers of your top 12 list? Give me your top five. Then we can discuss about discuss it with my top five as well. All right. So I actually have Justin Jefferson. Okay. As number one. I know it's not like a hot take or anything. I think there's a little bit of, regression from Cooper cup, just because there's competition there that Allen Robinson is there. Not saying he's going to just be awful or anything. I, I have Cooper cup as number two, um, Devonte Adams. I have his number three. He's still in my estimation, the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, the big bodied receiver that you love to have. He's athletic. He can play in the slot. You can play him out wide. He's just that good. Um, I have Jamar chase at number four 
And I have Stephon Diggs, my dude, Stephon Diggs, at number five. So Jefferson, Cup, Adams, Chase, and Diggs. Pretty chalk, I would say. Maybe some variance in, in <laughs> who's going where in that top five. But that's why I have in the top five. And you're laughing, which means you have the exact same top five. <laughs> just like our QBs were the same at the top four. So let's see. So you had, okay, I'm just looking at your list here. So Jefferson, Cup, Adams, Chase, Diggs. That was your top five? Yes. So so yes. my top five in order is Jefferson. Because I, I think Jefferson, the amount of opportunity he's going to get in that offense is going to be just yep. truly absurd. It's going to be, it's yeah. going to be high I, volume passing. Yeah. Adam Thielen is still there. I get it. KJ Osborne, Irv Smith, whatever. I, Kirk Cousins is, uh, is actually one of the QBs we didn't talk about in the previous episode. But I, I, he's going to be able to distribute the ball very efficiently as he has done uh, to, a, to a certain degree over the course of his, going back to when he was with Washington, right? It's basically his entire career. But uh, I have Justin Jefferson, number one. I actually have Jamar Chase, number two. Um, I have Stefan Diggs, number three. And I have Cup at mm. number four. It's, and again, it's not wow. because I think, I, I, I don't get me wrong. I don't think Cup is going to be bad. I just think there's going to be some, I, 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 I always get hung up on using this word. I don't know if positive regression is like some kind of oxymoron or if it's like some double negative or something like that. But I feel like there is going to be some positive regression for Stefan Diggs, because remember he was being drafted, I think as the number one overall wide receiver last season. And there was some, some slippage there, right there. And as there usually is. So I feel like I feel good about not putting cup number one overall, because Typically speaking, the you know very rarely do you repeat as the number one guy at your position um, year over well, and year. A, and an historical season. Let's face it; it was legendary. Yeah, like, and to to, re, to redo that is going to take. That's going to be a very tall task. And like we said, with Allen Robinson there, right? Yeah, exactly. I, you know what's funny? I actually have Allen Robinson as my twelfth. Uh, receiver. Ooh, so I actually, I, like I, I actually have two Rams in the top 12, which again, how, how often has that happened historically? I don't know, but I can't imagine it's been a lot of times. I, I do think that even with that, a creaky arm of, uh, of Matthew Stafford, I think there's enough volume and offensive uh, usage there for, to support both cup and, and Robinson. But I, I, I have cup at four again, just because I think there'll be some, just a teensy amount of slippage. And I also think chase and Diggs take a little bit of a, a, a maybe a half step forward. So I got Jefferson chase Diggs cup. And then I have Adams at five um, Adams. I think, again, I think I just, I bumped him down just a teensy bit, just because I'm curious to see how he's going to do in a new offense. But if, if Devontae Adams finishes as like the number one or the number two overall wide receiver, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, quibble too much with that because like you said he is just from a from a from an actual nfl talent he is probably like across all positions probably one of the most talented players in the nfl today oh yeah and and that's the thing the variance in this top five any one of the guys that are in this top five our top five could absolutely finish as the wide receiver yeah. one and yeah. you go oh okay that makes sense yeah. like yeah. there's nobody there the thing is is outside of that top five I don't see anybody getting to number one. Like maybe I think at running back, you can make that argument and you go, okay, if that guy finished, you know, number one, I would, it would be, it could be close. Uh, but a wide receiver, I don't see anybody outside of the top five guys that we mentioned getting to that number one spot. Okay. So why, why don't you give me your, the re- why don't you just give me the rest of your top 12 and then we can debate because I feel like there might be some guys I have higher than you and vice versa. So I'm curious where you fall on the guys after the top five, uh, Matt. All right. So I have CD lamb at number six, just because that I 
listen, outside of outside of Dalton Schultz, I mean, we'll see what Jalen Tolbert is, but CD Lamb is going to be the guy that gets like 160 targets this year, isn't he? Yeah, that's I, how that's how I kind of I feel like he has to be, right? Yeah, yeah, he pretty much does have to be. Um, I have Mike Evans at number seven, and that's the variance with Mike Evans is I just don't know when Chris Godwin's going to be back and what he's going to be like when he comes back from that that ACL injury. Um, I think this one's a bit of a surprise, but I'm super, super high on this guy. And that's DJ Moore at number Ooh, eight. I like it. And DJ Moore last year finishes wide receiver 18. But I will say this, DJ Moore has three consecutive eleven seasons of 1,157 yards or more in his last three years with guys like a broken Cam Newton, um, Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, uh, Will Greer. I'm missing some terrible quarterbacks that have thrown on the ball. You could make the argument that Baker Mayfield is the best thrower of the football that DJ Moore has had. So that's why I have DJ Moore at number eight. And DJ Moore is going to score more touchdowns than he did last year. He had four and he's been a guy who just, he just hasn't been lucky at getting into the end zone over the course of his career. He's had four touchdowns in each of the last three seasons. That's his career high, four touchdowns. So I, I think that, you know, he's coming off a 163 target season. His catch percentage was 57%. And I believe that the catchable ball percentage was like 58 or 60%. So it's not, it wasn't very good. Um, I know I spent a lot of time on DJ Moore, but I love DJ Moore. Uh, number nine, Michael Pittman. I think he's in for a monster year as the wide receiver one with a competent quarterback in, in Matt Ryan. I have Keenan Allen at number 10. You mentioned having two Rams in your top 12. I have two Bengals in my top 12. Ooh, I have right. T Higgins at number 11. Right. He was the wide receiver 10 from week 10 to 18 last year. And, and I think him and Jamar Chase is a perfect, perfect combination. And to round out my top 12, a guy that way too many people are low on, and that is Deontay Johnson. Only one wow. player has averaged more targets per game over the last two years, and that is Devontae Adams. So that rounds out my top 12. So you're not, you're not, uh, you're not, you're not worried. I mean, maybe worried is a strong word, but you're not like concerned at all about uh, like the, I don't, I don't know if uncertainty is the right word for what I would use to describe the Steelers quarterback situation. But I mean, I just like Ben Roethlisberger, you mentioned it. He like, he was terrible the last couple of years. I mean, you know, how people say players are on like the back nine of their career uh, with Ben Roethlisberger. Not only was he on the back nine, he was walking off the green on the 18th hole for the last several years. That's what he was doing, right? He was, he was in the clubhouse getting a beer while they're cleaning the golf clubs. Essentially. That's what he that's, was. He, yeah. The 19th hole. He was on yeah. the 19th hole. Yeah, exactly. He was, you're right. He was in the bar. That's exactly where he was. He, I agree. I just say, can it get any worse? Yeah, probably not. Can it get, I don't think it can be like, let's not forget that Mitch Trubisky supported Allen Robinson as a top eight fantasy quarterback. That is true. Yeah. Or, sorry. Top true. eight fantasy wide receiver. Wide receiver so yeah. it's not like he's, it's not like Mitch Trubisky's awful. I mean, we'll see what happens, but Deontay Johnson, people are saying, oh, well, the, the, the depth of target for Deontay Johnson wasn't that, wasn't that deep. It doesn't matter. The reason why Deontay Johnson gets a ball is because he's a good receiver and he gets open. It's pl it's as simple as that. George Pickens is there. 
Fine. I like George Pickens. I think he was underdrafted. I think they got a steal in the second round. Chase Claypool's there. Fine. Pat Fryermuth is there. Fine. Neither and none of them are as good as Deontay Johnson is right now. Right George now, Pickens yeah. may be better by the time both careers are said and done, but Deontay Johnson's a stud. I don't care what anybody says. I will say, I think um, just on Pickens really quickly, I have, I have a sneaky suspicion that when it's all said and done from this year's draft, and I'm not I'm not saying this to crap on like the Drake Londons or the Chris Olaves or or the Sky Moors of the world, because I think they're all probably gonna have decent careers. But I do think that when it's all said and done, the guy who will have the best career out of this year's rookie class wide receiver wise is George Pickens. Uh, I really do think that. Because uh, not only is like the pedigree there for him as a player, but also because I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think Kevin Colbert, the the GM, I think he his like his last parting gift to the Steelers, I think, was to head up this draft for them, and uh, basically provide them with Kenny Pickett and George Pickens in what round what round one and two. And uh, I, I I gotta say, I think Pickens is going to be a supreme talent. And given the pedigree of wide receivers that have come through Pittsburgh, basically going all the way back to like Plaxico Barres, essentially, I I feel pretty confident in saying that Pickens, barring injury, is going to be uh, very good. But I like the I like the Johnson pick. I will say this of your of your six to twelve, more. Keenan Allen, Higgins, and Johnson are not in my on my top twelve list. Yeah, lots yeah. Of, lots of variants. It's a position <laughs> where you could make the case for twenty four guys to finish in the top twelve. Yeah, yeah, it's true, especially in half or even full PPR leagues, right? Yep. Because I think that, sure. that that boosts these guys even more. And it's not again, it's not because I think more Allen, Higgins, and Johnson are going to be bad this year. If if I end my draft and I have any one or more of those guys on my team, I'll be very, very pleased. It's just for my own rankings. I think I, I think I had more. Like if, if, we, if we were doing like a top 16, there would be the next four guys. I would probably say in the, in some order, but for me, yep. six to 12 goes like this. I have uh so I have my, I actually have Michael Pittman jr. At six. I am very, very wow. high on, on Pittman this year. I think there's I forget what the statistic is exactly, but there is essentially no year in which a healthy Matt Ryan and his healthy WR one have not finished as a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. And I, oh, I yeah. and I get that Julio Jones is probably going to the hall of fame someday, like more than likely, I don't know, first ballot, but I feel like Julio is probably a hall of famer, but he did it with Roddy white too. Yeah. And Roddy Calvin White's Ridley. not a hall of famer. Yeah. And yeah. Calvin so, Ridley, who's got a, Oh, let's not even go there. Um, <laughs> but I, I've seen that stat and I, I, what we know about Matt Ryan is, and I don't mean to step on your list here, but no, no. what we know about Matt Ryan is when there is a number one guy, the target share for that guy is very, very high. Yeah, and wild. Matt Ryan is a quality thrower of the football. I mean, it's a match made in heaven. I don't have, I haven't met nine, but I mean, that's, there's a very good chance that Michael Pittman finishes that high. I like that. That's, that's bold, but I like it. I mean, here's the other thing too. The difference between six and nine and a half PPR list is probably not going to be a lot. It's probably going to be like 30 to 40 points at the end of the year, which is if like it's what? even that much, yeah, exactly, if it's even yeah. that much, like that could be like, it could be the, the difference could end up being like two very good games, but, be, but by the end of the season, and that's not a huge variance there. So the difference is not exactly a, a, a big one between uh, six and nine. Okay, so, yeah, so I have a so six. six and nine, six and nine last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to fantasydata.com. So Tyree Kill was six at 296 points. Mike Evans was ninth at 262. Okay, so, so there a you go. grand total of 30 34 something. points. Yeah, that's 34 not 34 points. That's like in a half PPR or even full PPR leagues, that's not a lot of points, essentially. That's essentially. No, like, you're talking yeah. over 17 weeks, right? 
I mean, that's that's the number that you're looking at. And that's too much math for me, but that's less than two <laughs> points per week, per yeah. game. Never do math guy. on the air. That's one thing I've learned, uh, Matt. Never do math on the air. <laughs> Never, ever, ever do it. I, you can either look really smart or really <laughs> or, stupid. Or really stupid. I In doing JSTOC a number of times this past year, I, uh, I've i gotten myself caught with like, oh, yeah, Vladdy Jr. has this many RBI and this. Okay, no. And then you get into trouble and people are listening. Oh, no. Never. That's my, that's my one car, rude, rule of thumb. Never do math on the air. Uh, but Michael Pittman is uh, my six overall uh, wide receiver. Seven, eight, nine. I have C.D. Lamb. I have Mike Evans. Uh, we talked about those guys. I have Cortland Sutton at nine. I'm pretty high on mm-hmm. Sutton. Uh, I, and again, I think if you want to argue that instead of Sutton, it's going to be Jerry Judy as the guy, I think that's totally valid. But I just feel like we've seen more from Sutton. I know he had, I think it was an ACL tear a couple of years ago, but he's that's well behind him now. He is a very, very talented player, much like the DJ Moore discussion. You're going to, you could easily make the argument that the most talented thrower of the football that Sutton has ever had is now Russell Wilson. So I'm very, yep. very excited to see what Russell Wilson does for Cortland Sutton. So he's my ninth overall pick. I actually, I was misreading my list. I actually have Allen Robinson at 10, not 11. So Allen Robinson is the 10th wide receiver. And again, I think, Again, it goes back to the same argument. Allen Robinson has seen some truly abysmal quarterbacks, even though Blake, the Blake Bortle years uh, were very productive for him fantasy wise. I think Matthew Stafford Blake sucked. Yeah. And, and he still, he, he was an awful quarterback who was just forcing Allen Robinson the ball in like 90% of the time in garbage time. I don't think that's going to be the case for the defending Super Bowl champion, say, uh, not St. Louis Rams, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, but the Allen Robinson year this year, I think is going to be a very, very lucrative one. So I have him at 10. And then to round out the top 12, uh, I have AJ Brown at 11. I, I like that acquisition for the Eagles. I, he has been, it's crazy to think that he has been such a hyper efficient receiver over the course of his entire career with the Titans. And now he's going to a team that also runs the ball a lot, but you would think that, you know, at the same time, Jalen hurts and the Eagles offense in general, that the play callers have never had a player of this caliber and he's not going to be, like double covered every single time because of the threat of the legs with Jalen hurts and because of Devontae Smith and because of Dallas Goddard. Right. So I, I really like AJ Brown um, this season. Again, I, I, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Matt, is there a world in which AJ Brown finishes number one overall? I, I don't think so. I don't really think so. Not in the same way that Diggs cup or Adams could, but I think he's primed to have a very nice year. And then Debo Samuel is my round out at 12. I know Debo Samuel is ranked a little higher and I actually debated maybe not even putting Debo Samuel in the top 12 altogether. In the end I did, but you mentioned Trey Lance earlier. Yeah, Trey Lance kind of. That's my concern. Yeah, he kind of worries me. And then at the same time, are they going to run the ball with Debo Samuel as much as they did last year? That was almost feel like born out of necessity because of all the injuries to all the running backs. I I mean, again, maybe that happens again this year and they're forced to do it again out of necessity. But I just feel like from a game plan perspective, they're not going to run Debo Samuel the same. And if that's the case, can you rely on the same production you got from him last season only as a pass catcher? I'm not sure. So that's why I bumped him down to 12. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm just checking out the what Debo Samuel did from week 12 on, and he ended up finishing. Uh, he was he was wide receiver three in that stretch, and his points per game was actually had him second ahead of even Justin Jefferson. Ooh. I just there's something about Trey Lance that is throwing me off right now. I just don't know if he's going to be able to. You know, we can say what we want about Jimmy Garoppolo. If, if anything, Jimmy Garoppolo was accurate. That's the one thing we can say about Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm not sure that Trey Lance falls into that category. Plus, 
it's a totally different game plan with a mobile quarterback like that. Here's how I kind of see Trey Lance's season going. And I'm going to get back to the wide receivers, even in a roundabout way of the tight ends. I think they're going to use him like the Bills used Josh Allen in his rookie year, which means there's going to be a lot of time. Like Josh Allen ran the ball a lot in his rookie year. I think Trey Lance is going to run the ball a lot. I think Trey Lance's completion percentage is probably going to be around 53, 54, 55%. That's where where I think we're going to be at. And that's why I have a hard time putting a guy like Debo Samuel into that top 12. How they use him in the running game, I don't know. He certainly wanted to get paid like a wide receiver, um, which he did. But that's my only holdup with all the San Francisco guys because Brandon Ayuk was great in the second half of last year. Debo Samuel was great all year. How much of Debo Samuel's value is as a runner in Kyle Shanahan's offense? That's where I get hung up because if they don't use him that much like that, is the passing volume going to be enough to have him in the top 12? I'm just not sure that that's going to be the case because of Trey Lance and it has nothing to do with Debo Samuel. Yeah, that's where I fall to it. It's not a fault. It's not through any fault of his own, but it's just no. because of how the offense is likely going to look. And we know the Shanahan offense loves to run that ball just a whole hell of a lot. And if that's the case, then yeah, I, I just, that's why I even, I kind of waffled on putting him at 12. Ultimately I did. And, but I mean, if you, if you're going to take DJ, if you're like, have the choice and you have the choice of taking DJ Moore over Debo Samuel and you go with Moore or you go with Keenan Allen or you go with Deontay Johnson, all of those guys over Debo Samuel, I'm not going to argue because I think they all fall in that same general range for me. And I think there's the upside for all of them. And there's also a slight downsides to all of them as well. Right. I mean, I think I actually think of the guys you listed from eight to 12. So more, well, you had Pittman, so I'm much higher on Pittman. So we take him out, but for more Keenan Allen, Higgins and Johnson, I actually think I'm highest on Keenan Allen. I think Keenan Allen is just, he runs some very pretty looking routes. He's very reliable. He's almost like that. We're going to get to the running backs here in a second, but Keenan Allen is almost like the, like the Nick Chubb of, of wide receivers in the sense that he's like all reliable. will get you this many points on any given week. And there's always upside for more, but it'll, it'll almost never be less than, you know, like a, like a five, six catch 50 point outing, 50 yard outing which in half PPR is double digit points. And you'll take that every, every week, basically. Yeah. And, and of those guys mentioned, he's also got the best quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can make the, you can make the argument that maybe Joe Burrow is close, but I still think Justin Herbert's a better quarterback than Joe Burrow is at this point. I know Joe Burrow got to a super bowl, but I mean, I still, if I had to pick between the two, I'm still taking Justin Herbert, especially from a fantasy perspective. So yeah, Allen, Allen certainly has some upside there, the wrinkle with Keenan Allen is Mike Williams is there. Mike Williams had a big year last year. He did disappear at points. Like when they took him out of that, you know, um, Joe Lombardi's the offensive coordinator there. And they had Mike, they had Mike Williams playing in that Michael Thomas role for the first like eight weeks of the year. And he was wide receiver too. He was a monster early in the year. And then I don't know what the heck happened, but he disappeared. And then he finished the year off strong. So there is still that factor there. It's just that, you know, Higgins and Allen, they play in an offense where it's such a high passing volume offense that you can get away with having them rank so high. I did flip-flop on Allen. Allen was the one guy that I was kind, and even though I have him at 10, he was the one guy that I really wasn't sure of. It was between him and Allen Robinson for me. But I do, there is one thing that's very interesting that both of us have left out here, and that's Tyreek Hill. 
Yeah, it's true. I, I, again, Tyreek Hill was the guy I was debating with with Debo for the very end of the top twelve. Again, if we're if we're talking, if we're doing like a top fifteen or a top sixteen, Tyreek Hill is in there somewhere. It's just I, I, I mean, he's a burner. There's a there's a chance he is still as good as he ever was in KC with Tua, but it's just the. I, and I, I'm not saying this to crap on Tua, but <laughs> the difference between Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tango Vailoa is um is is pretty large to me. Yeah, and and that's I mean I'm not I'm not big on Tua, even though everybody and Mike McDaniel, who I will continue to go to the well with this, I think is a fraud. I think like <laughs> taking the pictures with the media and all the selfies and all these weird things that he says, I think he's setting himself up for if things go bad, at least the media won't be that hard on me. That's what it feels that's like funny. right now with him. I like who that. do you have? Who do you have as your outside top twenty guy? The outside top 20 ADP that could finish in the top 12. Oh, I feel man. like you hinted at this. Oh, here's the thing. I, 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 I have three names here that I just can't decide on. And I know we're supposed to, we're only going to pick one. So I think for me, I'm picking Christian Kirk of the Jaguars. I Ooh, think um, that's interesting. I really like Christian Kirk this year. I was de- really debating on either Hunter Renfro or Juju Smith-Schuster. If I if I come away with my draft with any of those three guys, I'm going to feel really good about it because, I mean, like the WR1, I know Travis Kelsey is like the top target in, in KC. WR1 is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, he's 25. He's I mean, he's played with like the broken shell of Ben Roethlisberger. And even then, he did pretty well in his last couple of healthy seasons. He's seen like just a tremendous amount of targets. So I feel like even when with some knee issues and so on for Juju injuries and so on in the last couple of years. I, uh, I still like him a lot. And Hunter Renfro is, is hyper efficient. And even though he'll probably see a downtick somewhat, I feel like the guy who will ultimately lose targets in that Raiders offense is Darren Waller and not Hunter Renfro personally. So I think it's going to be like Adams and Renfro instead of like Adams Waller than Renfro in terms of pecking mm-hmm. order. So I, I'm yep. a big fan of Renfro, but Christian Kirk, I love because we talked about we talked about Trevor Lawrence when we were doing the QBs in the previous episode, and I expect Trevor Lawrence to take a step forward in what I think is going to be a relatively QB friendly offense from Doug Peterson down in Jacksonville. But also the you know they always say like follow the money. Christian Kirk got just an absurd contract. It probably like, to the point where it probably ruined contracts for other receivers who are about to five. get paid. Yeah, top it, five paid wide receiver. It's, Come it's, on, it's, it's a little silly. It's it's absolutely silly. I don't dispute that whatsoever. But because of that, as long as he is healthy, they're going to out of necessity force feed this guy the ball. And yes, you mentioned Evan Engram when we were doing the tight ends last episode. Uh, there's Marvin Jones is there. LaVisca Chanel is there. I'm sure Travis Etienne is going to get some, uh, some passes as well. That's part of his value, but the WR one for Jacksonville is Christian Kirk. And we, we were talking about it earlier. We have seen awful offenses have fantasy, like to be able to support fantasy relevant wide receivers. So I'm a big fan of Christian Kirk. I think he's going to have a large piece of the target share down in Jacksonville. And if that's the case, there is a very easy path, especially in half or full PPR leagues for him to finish in the top 12. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Cause I don't think they're going to be all that great. Um, and like you said, there's, there's just not much there, not guys that you trust anyway. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's Jerry Judy Ooh, and okay. you mentioned it. It could be Cortland Sutton. It could be Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy going currently as the wide receiver 23, according to Yahoo sports. And for me, he's a crisp route runner. He he's going to be used out of the slot a lot, but I think, I don't think we have seen nearly the ceiling for Jerry Judy in the NFL. We talked about 
how he's he's not had a good quarterback. He had the injury issues. We thought he was going to be lost for the season when he almost broke his ankle in his rookie year. But I mean, Jerry Judy had a case of the drops, all that. So did Deontay Johnson. And guess what? When the volume is there, the volume is there. I think Jerry Judy is going to be a stud. Loved him at Alabama. I think he's going to have a big, big year. He could be the guy that you draft outside the top 20 at his position and finish as a top 12. And we talk about, you know, you mentioned Renfro. You mentioned Christian Kirk. Um, you mentioned, who is your third guy? Renfro. That you mentioned. Oh, sorry, Juju. 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 Okay, Juju. All of those guys currently you could have as your wide receiver three. And they and and we think they could finish as at worst top fifteen guys. Yeah, it's just it's it's a it's an embarrassment of riches at the position, and that's why I think a guy like Jerry Judy can kind of fall through the cracks, but still finish as a top twelve wide receiver. So Jerry Judy, Juju Smith Schuster, and Hunter Renfro are all players that also exist in that running back like dead zone. Let's call it right, especially if you're in a mm-hmm. snake draft of sorts. After you get past the top, the top, and we're going to do running backs right now, but after you get past like the, like Nick Chubb and, and Saquon Barkley and Aaron Jones, let's call them right. They're kind of, for me, Aaron Jones is my 10, uh, 10th running back. Uh, let's see. Barkley is 11 and Chubb is like, like Chubb is 13. Essentially. He's just outside of that top 12, but he's not like low enough to be qualified as a sleeper or a breakout pick or whatever, but still Nick Chubb, um, especially in half PPR leagues. He's just, he's just outside there. But once you get past those guys, essentially there's, there's a dead zone that exists where like, I don't think you'd feel that comfortable taking a lot of running backs that are not named like Travis Etienne or other guys. And it, it's in that zone where I think you can feel pretty good about taking guys like Juju or Hunter Renfro or Jerry Judy and on, on Jerry Judy too. I mean, this is a guy who is drafted in 2020 15th overall, 15th yeah. overall. Like you, you don't, you don't just discard wide receivers like that immediately. And and he, he like you mentioned, he had the ankle injury. He is uh, played with, I don't know Drew Locke and and uh, and Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater yeah, blank, blank Brett yeah. Rippin. Yeah. Can we go down the list of Ooh. awful quarterbacks? Yeah. I think Case Keenum made some starts as well. It was a mess. It was a real, it was a real mess. So I, I, um, I, I agree with you. I like the Jerry Judy pick. So that's your sleeper. Um, let's do running backs real quick. I think uh, Jonathan Taylor is is he a top your list? Is he? I know that's the chalk no. pick. He, he he is a top He's my not. list for for a very specific reason. But I'm curious who's a top your list instead of Taylor and why. Uh, it's Christian McCaffrey. Okay. I know, I know, I know, I know he's only played 10 games over the last two years, but Jonathan Taylor had a season for the ages. And I think that's Jonathan Taylor's ceiling. I don't think that Jonathan Taylor's ceiling is Christian McCaffrey's ceiling. Christian McCaffrey has the ability to be a thousand, thousand rushing yards, thousand receiving yards. Is that good? And if Christian McCaffrey healthy, which we are led to believe that he is, if he has 1,800 yards from scrimmage and 13 touchdowns, would you and and he catches 80 or 90 balls, would you be shocked at that? No, absolutely not. And that's what his that's kind of where he falls into if he's healthy and plays a full year. So for me, it's Christian McCaffrey again with the caveat that if he's healthy, there's not a there's not a running back that you would want to have more than him. I know people will say, oh, Jonathan Taylor. But the way Christian McCaffrey's used, especially in half-point PPR, which is what we're talking about here, I think McCaffrey's the guy. And hes I've seen him go as low as seven really? in some snake wow. drafts. That's crazy. And that's crazy to me. Yeah. So I have Christian McCaffrey first. I have Jonathan Taylor second. That's That, to me, is a no-brainer because he's that good. 
Um, he was so great at Wisconsin. He's been nothing but great since entering the NFL last year, of course, had that incredible season. But I just think that Christian McCaffrey's ceiling is higher than Jonathan Taylor in, in half-point PPR. So I, I have Taylor 1, McCaffrey 2 only, and I know that's the chalk way of putting it, but uh, I the only reason I have Taylor at number 1 is because, for me at least, and I say this as someone who very recently in that home league I was telling you about I um, in, the least, in the last episode, I uh, I had the number two overall pick. We do the redraft every year. I had the number two overall pick, and I picked McCaffrey. So, I mean, like I, I, I'm i saying this as someone who has Christian McCaffrey on a couple of teams, but Jonathan Taylor, I only went with him as number one overall, Matt, because McCaff- or McCaffrey has the highest upside of, honestly, maybe any player, not just any running back, yep. but any player in fantasy football, because even if he's not scoring touchdowns, the way he is involved in that offense, even with Matt Rule, even before him, is is used in such a fantastic way that he's still getting you like 20-plus points just on the basis of touching the ball a whole hell of a lot. So that's fantastic. I only went with Taylor above him for number one because – I feel like when you're picking, especially in a one QB league, when these are the guys you're talking about, number one, number two, number three overall, I feel like you want to mitigate risk as much as humanly possible. So because of that, I feel like I I, I have Taylor just a smidge above McCaffrey because mm-hmm. the, the chance of him getting re-injured, I feel like is much lower than McCaffrey. And again, like you said, he's healthy now. You hope he doesn't re-injure that thing. But he, again, he hasn't played a lot of games, which I can understand makes people wary. So it's for that reason only about not wanting to take a, a, a very high pick that is not going to play a lot of football games for you this year is the only reason I bumped McCaffrey down to two, but I'm not willing to drop him any further. Well, no, and and I I mean, you can't because, like we said, the upside is is there because we've seen it. And, and we've seen, we've also seen how offenses work without him. So, you know, the, that offense last year in Carolina, after he was gone, we saw what happened to Sam Darnold. It was a nightmare. It was an absolute disaster, yeah, an abomination, if you want to call it. <laughs> but when they had Christian McCaffrey in the lineup, I believe they were 4-0. and So it's that's why. And Jonathan Taylor, if he misses a game, I mean, yeah, it's going to hurt them. But Matt Ryan's still a formidable quarterback. Last year, Carolina didn't have that. Baker Mayfield is not as good as Matt Ryan. We know that. So I just think they're they're close to interchangeable but again the ceiling for Christian McCaffrey is just way too high for me to to have Jonathan Taylor ahead of him and again that is thinking that Christian McCaffrey is going to be healthy yeah, which yeah. who the heck knows yeah you can there's no way there's no way with any degree of accuracy you could ever predict an injury um so i so i i'm not going to quibble with people taking McCaffrey over Taylor but yeah i'm not like that i think if, if you're going to switch them you swap them just the two of them i don't like for me the rest of my top 6 i go like this i go I, and it's for the running backs specifically because there are not a lot of top options i have a lot of the ones that you'll probably see on regular rankings like i i went for half ppr i went after Taylor and McCaffrey i go Eckler Derrick Henry Cook Joe Mixon to round out my top 6 and if you want to take Cook over Henry, if you want to take Mixon over over Cook or something like that, I don't think there's a huge, huge, huge difference. But I, I think for my for me in a half PPR, I feel the best about taking Austin Eckler. Yeah, again, is there some injury risk there? Perhaps a little bit, but less competition for him this year than there was even last year, and he was still a, a bona fide stud last season as well. So I, I love Eckler at that three spot. And if you in a if a half PPR league you decide that you want to take Eckler even over Taylor or McCaffrey, I'm not going to quibble too too much. But those are my top three, and then yeah, the rest of the top six: Henry Cook, Mixon. All right, so I have Eckler at number three as well. 
And this is where I go. I don't think I'm going off the board here, but I really like the next two guys that I have, especially the guy I have in number five. But I go Alvin Kamara, okay. number four. This is, again, I don't think he's getting suspended, so I think he's playing the whole year. And where he's going in drafts right now is insane. Yeah, it's wild. I believe He was going at like RB14 or something. That's that's stealing money at that point. Um, so Alvin Kamara, I have at four. And this guy... As you as you already know, and you and you can gather based on the, how I will wax poetic, DeAndre Swift at number five. I just think I think that that Detroit offense is a fantasy goldmine. I think that they're going to have a really good year, and I think DeAndre Swift again, if he's healthy, he's that talented. He's that home run hitter that you need to have to finish in that top five. He's great in the passing game. Detroit's still going to be behind in games. I think they're going to be more competitive, but I think that DeAndre Swift is the guy that's going to be the focal point of that Detroit offense. And then I have Dalvin Cook at number six. Maybe some more work for Dalvin Cook in the passing game, but the fact that they're talking about throwing the ball more and maybe running Dalvin Cook less, that's where I that's why I have him going a little bit lower. So you have Eckler, Kamara, Swift, Cook. Yeah, to round out the top six. Top six. Okay, cool. I, I like the Kamara stuff that, like you said, he's going, like in, in snake drafts, he's basically going at the at the turn, essentially, is, is what's happening, which is, I think, I, I agree with you when, when you say stealing money. It's just, it feels kind of wild that people are, as we get closer to the season and further away from the preseason, I feel like his ADP is creeping up a little bit, but not to the point where he should be going as like a mid first round pick. He's still not going in the first round. I feel like for a lot of people, which is pretty wild. So I, I like the pick. I have Kamara at number nine. Um, my, so my seven, eight, nine. So I have Kamara at nine. I have Najee Harris at seven and I have Deandre Swift at eight. I just feel like with Harris, they're going to just run this guy into the ground. And I feel like, especially with guys like Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, you're going to want to want to lean on the running back as much as humanly possible. Now, again, I think that's probably, that probably contributes to why I didn't have Deontay Johnson in the top 12 is why he was just slightly outside of that, because I feel like they're going to use Harris a little, little bit more. The offensive line eh, it's fine. It's like not the greatest in Pittsburgh. So maybe that might be a, a little bit of a detriment, but I do think Harris is that talented. Um, I agree with you on Swift as well. I just, I'm a little concerned. Uh, the offensive line in, in Detroit is going to be phenomenal. Actually for the predictions piece for sportsnet.ca that, that went up relatively recently. Um, I uh, actually have uh I, I think I had the Detroit Lions. I think it was their first winning season. I said they would have this year. I think it was since 2017, I think is the last wow. time they had a winning season. And I mean, they have a lot of, I, that might be a bold take, but I, I just really feel like with all the pieces they have on offense and on defense, guys like Josh Pascal and, um, Aiden Hutchinson, certainly, who was a top pick this year. I, I really think the Lions are going to be just a better overall team. They seem to really respond to Dan Campbell, and Swift has to be a huge part of it. But So I, I got uh, Harris 7, Swift 8, Kamara 9, and then my 10 through 12 is Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, and then Leonard Fournette. And like I mentioned to you before, Nick Chubb is like, he would be 13. He's just outside of it because he just he's just not involved in the passing game enough to include him in a half PPR list. But if this was a standard list, Nick Chubb would probably be in the top 10. Yeah, and I so I have Aaron Jones at number seven. And Dave. Aaron Jones, when Devontae Adams is not in the lineup, is is their best pass catcher. Yeah in my opinion, in Green Bay. And I think they're going to use him. They're talking about receiver by committee. Well, Aaron Jones is going to be part of that committee. Aaron Jones is a stud. Um, they're paying him. 
And Aaron Jones, I believe, is going to be a, a phenomenal, phenomenal running back this season. I think A.J. Dillon's going to have a good year as well. But Aaron Jones in that passing game, half-point PPR, I think he's going to be great. I have Saquon Barkley at number eight. I actually was – I really thought about Saquon Barkley higher just because I think Brian Dayball is a smart coach. He knows what he has in Saquon Barkley. The quarterback situation sucks. He's a great pass catcher. I think they're going to use him a lot. It's just I don't know if the opportunity is going to be there because Daniel Jones is so bad. Um, I have Derek Henry actually at number nine. And there's I have some concern about the how much tread is left on those tires. Is he going to get the same workload? I mean, probably not. They're talking about using Dontrell Hilliard on third downs. So Derrick Henry is basically not used in the passing game, which we already knew. Um, I have Najee Harris at number 10. I don't envision 74 catches again this year. Again, with, with quarterbacks that are mobile, they're able to get out of the pocket. Maybe we see a lot less dump-offs. And Najee Harris has been battling a, a foot injury already. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not sold that he's going to be that guy. Jalen Warren is an undrafted rookie running back that apparently has been getting a lot of hype that maybe he's going to get some work in the passing game. He's certainly going to be the handcuff there. Not that he's Najee Harris, but they're going to need to, they're going to need to, you know, protect this investment a little bit. He's not getting 500 touches. Like I just, I don't see that happening. And I know he says, just give me all the touches. I don't see it. Uh, I actually have, this is a bit of a surprise. Javante Williams at number 11. I know Melvin Gordon is still there, but Javante Williams is the guy. And with a better passing offense, so I'll get your take on this as well. How I look at it as this. So yes, the Broncos quarterbacks were terrible last year, and the Broncos decided we're just going to run the ball a lot. Nathaniel Hackett comes in. He comes from Green Bay. He's come from Jacksonville. He's in Buffalo, where they did a lot of splitting of carries. I think we're going to see the split of carries. It's probably 60-40. But the value of those carries and those touches because the quarterback play is better, to me, makes Javante Williams a top 12 player. So that's why I have it at 11. Where do you stand on that? On Javante? That theory. I see. Just, I just, on, right, right. just on higher value touches for running backs based on quarterback play. So maybe he gets 250 carries with Drew Locke as the quarterback or Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback. But doesn't it feel like the value of those touches if he gets 200 with Russell Wilson is a lot better? I think you're probably right like in, in the sense that it'll probably go 200 carries with, with Russell Wilson or 225 carries with Russell Wilson will probably go a longer way with him versus yeah any other lesser quarterback. That I do buy into. I just... I, I do kind of wonder to a degree, and this is the only reason I bumped. Like if you're, again, if we were doing like a top 15, Williams is probably like 14 or 15 for me. But I, I, I do feel like with Williams... I wonder how much Wilson going to Denver was also a part like when he when he when the conversations were happening and the trade discussions were going on earlier this year, I do kind of wonder how much Wilson was like to to the Denver brain trust saying, look, let Russ cook. You know the whole let Russ cook thing we discussed last year yep. and how and how if Russell Wilson was allowed to throw the ball more, he'd be a more certainly fantasy relevant quarterback, but also more of a real, a better real life quarterback. I do kind of wonder how much he's coming into this situation in Denver. And I mean, there's no way to know this until we actually see the Broncos play in a couple of weeks, but I, th- how much he wants to go out there and just let that ball rip. I just, I, if that's the case, I do actually think Javante Williams will still be used in the passing game a little bit, which will be good for, for, for our purposes, half and full PPR leagues. But I, it's the only, it's the only reason I have him downgraded a little bit. I just feel like the passing volume to the actual, 
actual receivers, whether it's Jerry Judy, whether it's Cortland Sutton, whether it's, I don't know, any of the tight ends or any of the other wide receivers out there as well. And there's a, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Denver. I have a feeling it's going to be a very fantasy relevant offense. It's just, I, I do wonder how much Javante Williams is going to be given the ball. And again, Melvin Gordon is still there. It's the only real reason I feel like it's going to be bumped down. If Javante Williams was ever the guy, if he was, if it was ever like a bell cow running back, uh, like a Derrick Henry, like a Christian McCaffrey, he would probably be one of the best running backs in fantasy. He'd probably be like a top yep. three pick, right? But I just, until yep. that happens, I feel like I'm just I'm not staying away by any means. If he landed on my team, I'd be perfectly happy, but I just, I'm not going to go out of my way to put him into the top 10 for now. Yeah. Okay. So I got him at 11 and then I finish out with Joe Mixon at number 12. Okay. Again, so many good running backs. It's true. Like the, there's, and there's not like the bell cow thing just doesn't really exist anymore, but there's there, you know, you mentioned guys that could be in the top 15, 16 that get drafted that could absolutely finish in the top 12. I could absolutely see some guys, you know, like could Nick Chubb finish as the eighth best running back this year. Of course he can. Cause he's Nick Chubb. I just don't have him there because I don't love his involvement in the passing game as much. That's, that's my only concern. And I do wonder about Joe Mixon's usage if they're going to take, I can't even believe how I said usage, usage, uh, his usage, uh, new tongue, just trying it out. Um, I wonder how much Chris Evans works into that as well and takes away some of that value. But Joe Mixon's a fine pick. I have him at number 12. Yeah, Joe Mixon, look, I, I'm, I'm relatively high in the Bengals offense just overall. And again, as long as Mixon stays healthy, they seem to have a willingness to use him early and often just to help Joe Burrow out a little bit. And with a, with a better offensive line, I bet they trust Mixon a little bit more, but it's, it's true. I, I, the, the variance from six to 12 is pretty high, especially in a half PPR league. And again, he's not used maybe as much as some of these other guys, but I do like him enough. I have him at six, even at 12. He's still in both of our top 12 lists. Um, Let's get to our sleepers real quick before we wrap up. My sleeper is, um, and again, this is a guy who exists in that running back dead zone we were talking about, like that same zone where you'd feel good taking guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, for example, or Jerry Judy, for example, on your list. Uh, for me, Chase Edmonds with the Miami Dolphins is a guy I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really mm. high on this year, especially in half PPR leagues. I actually feel like of all the guys who are not in the top 20 in non-PPR leagues, if, Chase, if you're in a non-PPR league, like for example, standard league, Chase Edmonds would not be my sleeper because I feel like a lot of his value is derived from catching the football. Yep. I think over the last couple of years, he's like 10th for running backs and in, in terms of most patches passes caught, pardon me. So, but in, in half or full PPR leagues, I really like chase Edmonds. Um, he is, I think when he has been given the reins to be the guy in an offense, and it's only happened a handful of times and it's only happened because of injury, but when it has happened, he has been very, very good. And I feel like that role for him in uh, Miami with really only a very often injured Raheem Mostert behind him. And I know Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed are there too, but by all accounts from some of the Miami beat writers, they're saying these guys are going to be largely involved on special teams or injury fill in. So if that's the case, then chase Edmonds has a real chance to be the guy in Miami. And with the way that offense moves around after Tyree kill, I could very easily see Tua. the play breaks down. He rolls out to his left he sees Chase Edmonds and he dumps it down and Chase Edmonds picks up like eight to 10 yards. I could, I could see that so easily as long as he is healthy. Cause I think health is a question mark for Edmonds. Cause he's never had the, he's never going to have been given the ball this much ever, but if he is stays healthy, I think there's a chance he could be a top 12 running back this year. Yeah. I like Chase Edmonds a lot. He's in that, that 
I feel like when you can get him, there's a lot of value there. He's getting taken around the same time as like Kareem Hunt and Tony Pollard, like in that range. And I think there's some good value there. Uh, the guy that I have, and he's just, he's flying up draft boards, but as last check, he's still being drafted outside the top 20 at his position. Currently RB 21, Travis Etienne, big, big Travis Etienne fan. He's going to be in a role and we know how much success that, that Doug Peterson has had with running backs who can catch the ball. We've seen Darren Sproles have a big role with Doug Peterson. We've seen him have that kind of success. Not saying that Travis Etienne is going to be Darren Sproles, but he's going to be heavily involved in the passing game. And we don't know what James Robinson is going to be like when he comes back from injury. I love Travis Etienne. He's got that home run ability. Kind of reminds me a little bit of DeAndre Swift in the passing game in that when he gets the ball at any moment, he can take it to the house. And there's not there's there are guys in the league that can do that, of course, but there's very few I feel like that can do it, like Travis Etienne, like DeAndre Swift. So I have Travis Etienne as my kind of guy outside the top 20 ADP at his position that I think has a legit shot at finishing as a top 12 running back. Uh, once again, Matt, thank you for um, some some confer- confirming of my own biases because in one league I have Christian <laughs> McCaffrey and Travis Etienne, so I'm <laughs> anytime, anytime. I, I, I'm always happy to have those those biases confirmed. Okay, let me ask you something real quick: Is it Etienne or Etienne, like the French way of saying? I I feel like I'm guilty of saying Etienne every time I say this guy's name. I I gotta go with Etienne just because okay. it is the like it is the American the way American of version, saying a French right. name. That's okay. how I kind of look at it. Okay. Like I've seen it so many times with other names where I'm just like, no, that's not how you, that's not how you say that name, but that's how they say it. So that's what we're going to go. Okay. With. ETN. We'll go with ETN. Um, I actually realized I didn't get to my, I didn't finish my top 12, but it's, it were names we discussed after Kamara at nine. I had Aaron Jones, 10 Saquon Barkley, 11. And then I actually, I actually had Net, Leonard Fournette at 12. I'm, I'm curious where you fall on Leonard hmm. Fournette. As long as I, again, health is not something you can ever predict, but let's just say Leonard Fournette stays healthy. I think his involvement in the passing game in Tampa, especially while some of these other guys are on the men, like again, Chris Godwin might not be a hundred percent right away. If that's the case, then I think they do use Leonard Fournette a little more. And I think he has clearly earned the trust of Tom Brady and that coaching staff in Tampa Bay. So if that's the case, if he does stay healthy, I think there is a path for Leonard Fournette to not only be for me, he's number 12, but I think there's a path for him to be slightly higher as well because of that uh, usage in the passing game. Like for example, that's a big reason why I didn't have Nick Chubb in the top 12 even though I think Nick Chubb is a supremely talented running back. And like you said, if he finishes in the top eight or nine, anyone going to be too shocked? No, no one's going to be shocked at that. But Leonard Fournette, talented guy. I have him at 12. I wonder where you fall on that, Matt. I'm actually lower on Leonard Fournette this year, only because they drafted Rashad White. And Rashad White's athletic profile is among the best that we've ever seen. And that's not hyperbolic. Um, His relative athletic score based on there's a bunch of numbers they talk about you know the the cone time the the 40 time and all this other thing all these other things he's the fourth highest uh, he has the fourth highest relative athletic score among running backs that have been graded by the system since like ninth in the 1980s so we go back a long way and this is a guy that was a very adept pass catcher when he was in college at, at arizona and I look at at his ability to catch the ball. That's why I think he eats a little bit into um, the passing game that'll take away from Leonard Fournette. And and this is why I'm a little bit lower on Fournette, just because 
I'm not quite sure. By the way, he went to Arizona State, not Arizona, so I apologize. But last season at Arizona, he had 43 receptions, which is a lot for a college running back. He also had 16 total touchdowns, 456 receiving yards. His target share was 16%. This is an athletic guy. He It feels like Rashad White could be in that same like James White type role in that offense, which doesn't mean that that Leonard Fournette's not going to have a good year. I think Leonard Fournette is probably a top 15, 16 running back. I just, I can't put him in the top 12 only because of the emergence of Rashad White and his ability to catch the football. All right. I think, I think that's fair. I've seen Rashad White's name. I mean, he's still going like at the very ends of drafts, kind of as like a, as a kind of like a low end handcuff type of thing, just because we, well, until we actually see these guys hit the field, I mean, you're not going to really know how much they're being used, but I, um, I, he's kind of in the same vein as like a, a Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco with the, uh, with the Kansas city chiefs in this, in the sense that like, we don't really know what their impact on those running games will look like as rookies, but it's possible they are more involved than you think essentially. Right. Yeah, so like, like Zamir white, same, right, I have right. them kind of in the same category. Right. Yeah. Those are good. Like those, like those are all names that if you're in a in dynasty leagues and you haven't done your rookie draft yet, or they're in, in, in they're somehow available, you should go out and grab them, right? Because, or if you're in a keeper league, for example, and you're, you're about to have your draft in the next couple of days or before the season starts and you're at, you're, you're, you're looking for a guy to take a flyer on with your like 15th to 17th round picks. Those are guys you take flyers on, right? Like those guys, yep. uh, you know, the Romeo dubs of the world, the uh, trail Burks of the world, right? Like those are the guys I think uh, you take, you take flyers on because like we talked about, if they don't work out, you drop them, you cut bait, you move on. It's not going to have cost you a whole hell of a lot. Like your draft and your league is not going to be won or lost based on screwing up a 16th round pick, essentially, right? So um, it's going to be won or lost on on probably some kind of luck-based injury or a waiver wire move you did or did not make essentially. So I think that's where, that's where I fall on those ends of draft picks, but uh, that we did our, we had our wide receiver rankings today and our running back rankings today. I, um, I, I, we didn't do, we didn't plan to do any defense or kicker rankings. I'll just say this um, beyond Justin Tucker and like Evan McPherson. I don't know. I don't know if I'm really going to go out of my way to pick any Tyler other. Bass, Tyler <laughs> Bass. Let's go. <laughs> Nick Folk, Nick Folk, Nick Folk. Let's go, Matt. No, no. The Patriots offense. Is Nick gonna... Folk was a solid kicker last year. Don't kid yourself. Hey man, you know, one of the things we do in that, uh, that home league I mentioned are the, the last place punishment. Okay. I don't know if you've ever been in a league that has like, u- like unique last place punishments. Our last place punishment is they have, we have to do three drills that they do at the combine. So usually, oh, no. usually one of them no, is the 40 no. yard dash. And then some, some, there's some other like shuttle cone drills we've done and things like that. And then in addition, you have to buy the Jersey of the kicker on your last place team. That's what has to happen. So, oh my um, God. yeah, so I think I they, like it, but I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> Nick Folk was uh, the jersey of the uh, the last place finisher the year before. I want to say what's the I forget what the name of the uh, the Texans kicker is, but he was he has been bought a couple of times. I believe Harrison Butker has been was bought a couple Fair, of times. Kaimi Fairbairn, yes, Fairbairn, Fairbairn. That's who it is. Yeah, Fairbairn is the guy. He's been purchased a, a number of times. There are multiple Fairbairn jerseys in our league. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's a fun punishment, but uh, no one wants to wear a kicker jerseys and, or much less pay for one. So I think that's, it's a fun last place punishment. Yeah, I would agree with that. That thing, I, I do not want to be that guy. That's for darn sure. 
All right, Matt. Well, this was fun. We're done our season previews uh, before the season starts. Next time we chat on the air, we'll actually be on Sunday, September 11th, as we get set for the rest of the week one games. Uh, This was, I I love talking fantasy football before the season starts because everything is so full of promise. So I just, I can't wait for us to recap the Thursday night season opener uh, and then also to, 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 to really be high on players because when we get to the season, the week two show part of the fantasy show, it's going to be, it's a, Hey, it's all downhill from there, man. <laughs> well, we know what, we know a star is getting hurt in week one. Oh, that happens gosh. every year. I hope it's not money. Just of don't my let guys. it be yours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just don't yeah. let it be yours. All right, man. I will talk to you again on Sunday, the 11th. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Let's do it again. I can't wait for the start of this season. Let's go. NFL season is almost here, boys and girls. Let's do it. Yeah, the NFL is finally back. It's so nice to be able to talk about the National Football League again in 2022. Actual games are going to start happening very soon. That's Matt Marchese. I'm Show Ali. Thanks for being alongside us to wrap up our season previews. The next time you hear our voice will be for real. The actual NFL will have returned. We'll have the season opener under our belts. And week one action on Sunday, September 11th, will be back as well. For Matt, I'm Show again. Thanks for being alongside us. We'll talk to you on the 11th, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern across the Sportsnet Radio Network.